Well, it is so good to be together again, and if uh, we haven't met yet, my name is Casey, and so grateful that you are here, and so grateful that we get to share this time together. Uh, For those of you that we get to join you online, I'm so grateful that uh, you've opened your browser, your phone, or however you're watching, from wherever you're watching, we're glad that you're here. Just a reminder to those of you that are guests with us, that Connect card is your opportunity to let us know you're here, and we have a gift for you at the end of today's service. For those of you that are in the room, uh, take the Connect card and go take it back to the person at the welcome table. They'd love to give you a gift for being with us today. Hey, Westside, let's welcome those that are online as well as those who are in the room. Will you do that with me? Here we go. Let's do it. Yeah. So thankful. So thankful for you being with us today. And uh, we are going to continue our series and finish our series called Put a Bit in It. And uh, thank you so much for the encouraging words that you guys have shared about how you've enjoyed this series. And uh, um, for some of you, this, uh, I was like, I was really encouraged to hear it because I didn't know how this series would come across um, in, in hearing some of these things. So um, we're going to get to that here in a second. But before we do, I want to let you know about two things. The first is this. Um, we have Kids Gig that begins this Tuesday. And normally we do Kids Gig throughout a full week, but we're changing it up this year. And we're going to do it on every Tuesday in the month of June so we can spread this out and you can have a great summer experience and a family experience. It's the Kids Gig FX. And we want this to be a great summer long thing. So first Tuesdays of the month of June begins this Sunday. And what you need to do today, if you haven't done it already, is you need to register or pre-register your kids. There is no cost. It's free to you. And so grateful for the generosity of Westside that makes it available for everyone who wants to pre-register. So pre-register register today. You can register on the day of. It just makes it a whole lot faster and easier on our team as they prepare for that. So do that. You can do that at westsideleavenworth.com forward slash kids gig. Um, It begins at 530 and you can pick your kids up again at 730. You can also sign up to serve on that link as well. And I encourage you to do that because we believe in the faith that that the faith of the next generation is worth everything and it would be worth your time to invest in that. Second thing I want to let you know about is we begin a new series next Sunday and this series is going to answer this question hopefully for you if you're wrestling with this question and hopefully it will be uh, something that if for someone else that might be wrestling this with this question and the, the series title is the question can I trust the Bible uh, our culture has been uh, in our culture is been attacking the reliability of scripture, but scripture has been under attack. The reliability of scripture, especially the gospels has been under attack since its canonization. And we put it all together and called it the Tabiblia or the Bible. And we want to help you understand um, and why you can trust the Bible and answer that question. And this is a great series to invite someone. And this is who I want you to put in your purview of who you can invite someone who has maybe lost their faith or they left the faith or they left church because of something they read or something that was said regarding the Bible. Maybe something they read in the Bible or something that they heard said about the Bible. This is someone you can invite and you need to invite to either join us online uh, for these weeks or to join us in person. They can sit together with you. I encourage you to invite them back and I encourage you to be here because this is something that we all need to understand why we can trust the Bible. And I'll just tell you this right here, and this is just a little bit of insight. Um, did you know that there are many, just the, the, the ratios and the percentages of people in church, in church that don't trust the Bible is close to the same percentage of people outside the church that don't trust the Bible. You need to be here. So hope that's enough to get you back. 
um, to come next week. Go ahead and get out your notes. Uh, We are going to finish up this series called uh, Put a Bit in it. And we've been talking about how your words are powerful, how your words, that we need to use our words and, and, and take control of our words and control our words for the benefit of others to encourage other people. We talked about how our words reveal really what's inside of us and they're the, the reflection of what's inside of our hearts. We've talked about how our words are like rudders and they need to direct our, our, our conversations and they, they also direct our lives. We've talked about how words have the power like a, a, a spark and a Forest fire is what James talks about, how they can destroy things. We've talked about how words can, can do that. We talked last week about how our words, in our, through our dishonest words, and dishonesty dishonors others. It's not honoring to others, and therefore it's not honoring to God when we're dishonest. And, and we looked at the first week, we looked at what James wrote in his letter, James, the half-brother of Jesus. And uh, he wrote in his letter to the church in Jerusalem. And he said, hey, for those of you that are religious, but you don't keep a tight rein, you don't rein in your words, you don't keep a tight rein on your tongue, your religion, he says, not, his words, not mine, is worthless. And so we know there's a strict guy, we, we, we come under, um, we need to have a responsibility. That's what I'm saying here. We have a responsibility to control our words. And this is our series, Big Idea. See, your words have power and you are responsible to harness that power for the benefit of others. Your, your words have power and you are responsible to harness every word you speak for the benefit of others. Others. Now, today, as we talk about the subject that I want to talk about today, and for those of you that are looking down on your notes because you already have played words, you know, that uh, mad gab and you're filling out all the blanks already, you already know what I'm talking about today. We're going to talk about, but, but I want to, as we in, get involved in this, uh, you know, have you ever played the game, the telephone game as a kid? You ever do that in middle school? You know, where one person starts off in the group of people and you start the, the com- you start a sentence and you say the sentence and it, you whisper it to the next person. And it's fun actually to watch it go around the room because you, you watch the reactions of some people and it's just fun to watch their reactions. And, and then it's real fun to hear how it has changed from the first statement that was spoken. And while that game is fun to play, the game, the fun of that game doesn't really reflect the pain that that practice brings in real life. Now, we all have participated in it. We all have been hurt by it. Gossip. This is the reality of it. And I'll just say we're all included in this. I myself have been a participant in gossip. I have been guilty of gossip. Um, and, And we all have participated in it and been guilty of it. And you know, the other thing is, is we've all been hurt by it. We've all been hurt by something someone said behind our back and we heard about it. We all, we, we, people we trusted, we thought were for us, but they didn't use their words for us when we weren't present. We were hurt by it. It damaged us. See, see when we find out others are talking about us when we're not present, that, that's the reality. It hurts. But why? Why does it hurt? It's this right here. See, gossip does not build others up. It tears them down. That is the nature of gossip. 
It does not build the, the, the people up. See, gossip is tearing someone down and, 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 and it doesn't build them up. And, and in Ephesians 4, we looked at this in week one. See, this is what Paul says. When you use your words, th- you need to use your words. And every time you think about a word, I want you to think of Ephesians 4.29. This is a verse I hope that you memorize where it says, do not let any unwholesome talk. And he's talking to the church in Ephesus. He says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs so that it may benefit those who listen. And in this, we need to understand that when we entertain gossip, it's, not unwho- it's, it's unwholesome talk. It is not for the benefit, one, of the people who hear it, but it's, not, it's definitely not for the the benefit of the person we are talking about. And we today, I just want us to help, help us come on the same page of what we need to do. And we're going to give an opportunity at the end of today's for a time that we can just confess and repent together, but we need to confess of this together. We need to, we need to repent of this together. And, and, but to really get to that point, we need to backtrack because we all need to understand what gossip is. Because each and every one of us have our own definition of what we think gossip to be. And I want us to all come to an understanding of what gossip is together. And to help us do that, I went to dictionary.com. And for those of you that may be in uh, middle school or high school or even college, you know, there used to be a time when I had to open a dictionary. And now I can search online in my phone for it. It's amazing uh, how how technology has given us. And so this is what dictionary.com com says it as a noun it defines it as idle talk and i want you to just uh you know either highlight that word or circle that word in your notes because it's important to understand it's idle talk it's rumor especially about the person or private affairs of others it's the personal or private affairs of others and and you know what's implied it's someone who's not there that's what it is it's the others who are not with you. And then as a verb, gossip is this. It's to talk idly. It's to talk idly, especially about the affairs of others. I mean, it's, it's not just to talk about idly. You know what idle is? You know, you put your car in idle and you know it's in park, it's in idling. Where, where's it going? Nowhere, exactly. So a conversation, idle talk, is just a, a, talk, a, a conversation that is going nowhere. You know, and, and in this, we need to understand what are those conversations that we're talking about someone but it's going nowhere to help that person. It's not going anywhere to benefit them if we're going to put it through the Ephesians 4 filter. It's not going anywhere that's really helping anybody even in this area. If anything, it's making us feel better about ourselves. We'll talk about that here in a second. But it's an idle talk and it's about the personal affairs or the interests of others. It's, and I love what the, it says at the end, go about tattling. <laughs> I mean, it's, we all participated this. See, I told you we're all guilty of this. Every one of us tattled on somebody as a kid. Now, as adults, we don't call it tattling. We, we justify it a lot more, don't we? We, we call it other things. Um, but, but in this, I want us to see why gossip is it, it, it's so important to understand it. And, and, and I want us to, to understand why idle talk is, is not healthy to be involved in. To talk about someone without any desire or with any, without any effort involved to help that person 
is idle talk and it's gossip. Now, to bring more clarity to what gossip is, I want us to go to scripture because this is how God has inspired these uh, Old Testament and New Testament authors to write about gossip. And so in in Proverbs uh, chapter 11, verse 13, it says this about a gossip. A gossip or the noun of a gossip, someone who is actually in the and participating in gossip, uh, a gossip betrays a confidence. And we get that. I mean, when someone gossiped about you and you felt, found out about it, what did, you, what did it do to your trust in them? It broke it. It betrayed that trust. It betrays a confidence. And, and he goes, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. A gossip betrays a confidence, but a, a, a trustworthy person keeps a secret. That word gossip there in the Hebrew language, and I'm no Hebrew scholar, I, I, in, but, but in this, it, it's this word murmur or whisper. It's to whisper about someone else. And people who whisper about us, I mean, as soon as someone's in a room and they're whispering, what is it that you assume? You assume they're talking about you, don't you? You know why? Because you know what you do when you're whispering. Because you're wanting to say something that someone else doesn't want to hear and it's likely somebody in the room. See, it's this, un, this murmur, this whispering in that. And I love what Proverbs 16, 28 says. Proverbs 16, 28 says, a, pers- a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. We've all had friendships that have separated because not of what we said, but what somebody else said that we found out about. It separates closer. You've seen this happen. You've seen relationships that, that people were close, but because one party talked about another party, it, it separated them. It, 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 it brought them farther apart. And every one of us have been affected by this. We've had relationships that have been affected by us, by this. And, and we've seen this happen with our family. And we've seen this happen with close friends. See, it's, it's something that we've all seen. Now, the Apostle Paul addresses gossip in the New Testament. He's one of the main voices in this. And, and he puts this in a list of things that, um, that, that are, man, extremely evil and wicked. In fact, he begins on this, 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 this lyrical just list of people and things of people do that are all under this curse of sin and all deserve death. And then as he begins this in like verse 18 or 17. I can't remember exactly which verse he begins this in, but he begins this there and, and he gets it. And what he's doing, he's writing to the church in Rome and he wants the church in Rome to start pointing the finger at all these other people. Yeah, those types of people, those types of people, those types of people. And Paul is brilliant because he gets the finger pointing at all these other people. And then in Romans chapter three, he turns the finger back on the people in the church there. And it's the same thing with us. He gets us pointing the finger at everybody else. And then we have to recognize, no, the finger's pointing back at us. And this is how he does it. He says this, they have become, talking about all those other people, they have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things, look at this, deserve death. So he puts gossip in a list of sin that deserves death. He goes, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve. Look at that. Also approve of those who practice them. See, Paul also addresses a church in Corinth. 
And in this church in Corinth, this church in Corinth, I mean, this church in Corinth had a lot going on. A relatively new city. Um, it was only less than 100 years old as a city, and they were the center of, I mean, they had a lot going on, and, and God's power was at work within them. They were, God was really growing the church there, and things, God was doing a lot of things. But this is what he talks to them about. And he, he hears about this, and he goes, I fear that there may be discord jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. He might as well be writing to the American church. And in this, he, he, but he's talking to this Corinthian church and he goes, hey, there's, I, I, hear there, I, hear there's, I fear there's gossip and slander going on. And in this, he puts these two together. Notice that he puts the two together in Romans because slander and gossip are two different things. And in order to understand gossip, we gotta, we got to separate the difference in the two because there's a misunderstanding that we have with gossip. See, a lot of people misunderstand that gossip, is, 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 it's only talking about someone when it's not true. But what if it is true? You know, you know gossip, it, you, we think sometimes that, that some people think that, you know, it's only when it's true. It we can, gives us permission to gossip. You know, we can talk about others if it's true, but if it's not true, that's what gossip really is. Well, slander is actually what that is. See, slander is telling a lie about someone else that's not true. See, it doesn't matter whether it's true or not when you gossip. See, slander is a close cousin to gossip that includes the spreading of lies that brings someone else down, that it destroys someone. But in gossip, it can include the truth. And just because it's true doesn't mean it's the right thing. To say Now, Paul uses a, a Greek word, and that Greek word also means in this, this muttering, murmuring, or whisper. And, and, and why would we whisper? Again, we whisper because we don't want someone else to hear. We don't want the person about whom we're talking to hear what we're saying. See, gossip is this right here, tearing someone else down when they are not present. It doesn't matter if it's true. It's using what your words are to tear someone else down when they are not present. And here's the reality is we are all guilty of it. Every one of us have done it, have participated in this. And, and we need to all put a bit in it and stop it. And not only that, I want to help you see how you can not just stop it in your own life, but I want to help you, equip you so we can stop it in other people, like when, in those conversations with other people. And it's not just with Christ followers. We need, to, we need to do this for the sake of other people that are outside of our faith. Because this is a great testimony to them. This is a great testimony of how we treat one another. This is what it is. And, and gossip doesn't reveal. See, here's the thing about gossip. See, it doesn't reveal the truth about the other person as much as it reveals the truth about me. That's the reality. And, but we got to look at the motivation of gossip too. We got to address the motivation. See, really, why are we talking down about others when they're not there? And the reason is because we want to look better. That's the reality of it. See, we, gossip is tearing someone else down to build myself up. Now, it doesn't mean that we're in that conversation and we're talking, redirecting it to us. Sometimes we're redirecting it to other people because of our insecurities, We'll entertain gossip because we are insecure. And when the spotlight, we feel the spotlight's on us, what we do in our insecurities is we'll, through our words, put the spotlight on the problems of other people. And it's easy to do. 
But we got to recognize why we do it. And the motivation behind what we do, why we do it, is, is we'll use our words to talk about someone else's problems when they're not there because we don't like the spotlight to be on our problems. And we do it through our insecurities. The second reason we entertain gossip is because of our own personal hurt. You know, hurt people hurt people. We know that adage. And really the reality is, is when we will tear somebody else down and we'll, they're not there and you'll, you'll talk bad about them, we'll talk bad about them. I got some question. Is there pain in my own life that I'm trying to mask? Is there pain in my own life that I'm trying to deflect right now? Is there pain in my own life that, that the only way I can make myself feel better is to talk bad about someone else? And see, we need to look at the motivation behind this and realize that it's all connected to my own pride. That the reason that I'll talk down and tear someone else down is because my pride gets in the way. And last week we looked at a verse that talked about six things, seven things the Lord detested. It was a Proverbs. I want to read it again. And the first in that list is a pride, and he calls it haughty eyes. He says, there are six things the Lord hates, um, seven that are detestable to him. And the first one is haughty eyes or pride. And it goes a lying tongue. We talked about that last week. Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, which is also a way to say slanderer, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. A person who stirs up conflict in the community. I mean, isn't that what gossip is? It's like, it's a, it's a whispering that stirs up conflict. I mean, they're not even there and present to defend themselves or talk about it. And you're not even talking, you're talking about their problem. And, and, and really, you're just trying to stir up, you're not trying to stir up help to get, solve the problem. You're just stirring up the problem even greater because you're passing along. Someone who stirs up conflict in the community. So why does God hate it so much? Why does he detest it so much? See, gossip stirs up conflict in the community and breaks unity in God's family. That's what gossip does. It, gossip stirs up conflict and it breaks unity. See, gossip destroys unity. Gossip erodes the unity that is so important to God. And there are many scriptures in the Old Testament that we read in the narrative of Israel's story and his, the history there of how important unity is to God. And Israel's unity was so important to God. And we read in the New Testament that, that Jesus would even, that on John, in John 17, his longest prayer that was ever recorded was a prayer that we would be united with God, that we would be unified, one with God. And you know what that would look like? That we would be one. See, this is the most important thing that we have to realize. And when we realize why this is so important, because it's about unity. It's about unity with God and unity with each other. See, unity is the result of our love for each other. That's what unity is. It's the result of our love for one another. And love is validated by our unity. That's what love is validated. Your love for God is validated in your unity with him. And your love for each other is validated in your unity for each other. And I would go so far to say that your love for God and our love for God is validated by our love for each other. And because we love God, we value unity. And because we value unity because of our love for each other that's driven by God's love for us, we will not entertain it. We will not tear other people down when they're not present. 
We will not do this. We will not entertain it. See, in this, our love for God is in, exhibited by our, inter, by, by, by our unity with each other. And so we should not entertain gossip. And this is why we put a bit in it to stop it when we begin in it. And this is why we should shut gossip down. And I'll show you how I recommend that we do that here in a second. Because unity, unity is destroyed in the family of God when we entertain it, uh, uh, allow it, and participate in it. Now, C.S. Lewis is one of my favorite authors and, uh, and, and, and one of my favorite theologians, actually. And he wrote a book and that was published in the early 40s, I think, called The Screwtape Letters. In The Screwtape Letters, um, C.S. Lewis t- uh, talks, is this Uncle Screwtape who is this, uh, Uncle Screwtape is, a, is, is this, this large and upper echelons of the demonic world. And his goal is to teach Wormwood, his nephew, who is his protege uh, and, and who is less experienced in this idea of what his goal is to to teach him how to discourage, how to disengage and distract the Christian from the mission that God's given him. And this is what he writes in this. And it was written, mind you, in the 40s. Okay, so this was published in the 40s. And it could have been, it couldn't be more relevant today. And you'll see why here in a second. Read along. We're going to put up on the screen. It says this, my dear Wormwood, Be sure the patient remains, the patient is the Christian, remains completely fixated on politics. I could stop right there, but I won't, okay? So let me read it again. Be sure the patient remains completely fixated on politics. Arguments, political gossip, and obsessing on the faults of people they have never met serves as an excellent, look at this, distraction from advancing in personal virtue, character, and the things the patient can control. Make sure to keep the patient in a constant state of angst, frustration, and general disdain towards the rest of the human race in order to avoid any kind of charity or love uh, or inner peace from further developing. Ensure the patient continues to believe that the problem, look at this, is out there in the broken system rather than recognizing there is a problem within himself. This could not have been more prophetic for today's age. And that last line is so important because this is what we do, right? See, we believe the problem is in them. Rather than recognizing that I'm the problem, that's gossip. See, in this, gossip makes you think that the problem is in them not you. That's why you have all the permission to talk about them and their problem because the problem is in them and we think it's okay to talk about the problem and that's the problem. See, we think we're fixing the problem by talking about it, but we're not. We are becoming the problem. And because we're talking idly, you know, that conversation isn't going anywhere. That conversation isn't actually going, making an effort to actually get involved in the situation. And you're not directly involved in the situation. And when you're not directly involved in the situation, you're talking about the situation at hand and you're not directly involved in it. You're not helping the problem. You are. We are the problem. And we love talking about the problems out there, don't we? We love talking about the problems out there. But you know what? Why? It's because we don't like addressing the problem in us. 
And that's the nature of gossip. When we're not directly part of the solution and you're not directly the party involved and you're not directly involved with that person trying to help that person out. And that's why I say that because there are sometimes you need to get advice from somebody because you're working with somebody for their benefit. And it's okay to talk about the problem when you're directly involved in being the solution to the problem. But most of the time, we're not directly involved. We think we're helping the problem, but we're really not. And that's the moment we need to put a bit in it and recognize that we are the problem. So here's today's teaching big idea that I just hope helps you know when to put a bit in it. See, when you're not directly part of the solution, you're not going to be the problem. When I'm not directly part of the solution, I won't be the problem. This is my commitment because I want unity in the body of Christ. I want unity for what Christ died for us to be together. This is so important to him. It's important to me. It's so important to me that I'm going to disrupt it. I'm going to put a bit in my own. When I feel that tension, I'm going to pay attention. When I feel the Holy Spirit giving me that tension, I'm going to pay, to pay attention. I'm going to put a bit in it. And when, if I'm not directly involved in being the solution, I'm not going to be the problem. What would it look like for the church to, to talk about the people inside of our walls when we're outside of our walls in such a way that, that we wouldn't be offended if other people heard about it. And the people that are outside of the walls would know that we are for each other when we're not with each other. What would it look like? What would it look like if that were the kind of community that we were so unified for each other that we're not gonna talk about other churches the way other churches talk? We're not going to talk about other churches in that way. We're not going to talk about other people that way. We're not going to talk. And we're going to do this within the body of Christ. Why? Because we want to protect the unity. And what we do is we know that if we're not directly a part of the solution, we're not going to be the problem. And this is not how we, this is not how people who are not a part of our faith, we want them to see us. Because we want them to see that we are for each other. Because you know what? If they see us, doing this here, why would they want to be a part of this? See, we not only need to let our light shine before that they see our good deeds, but I would say that they hear our good words, that we're for each other. So how do we respond to this? How do we respond to gospel? I want to give you some, some three quick real things, okay? First of all is this. So in this, how do we respond to gospel? Well, first, it begins with repentance. We have to repent. Repent means changing the way we think about it. And I want to help you think that you change it because this is all about unity. It's all about unity. And if you don't change it to think about unity, this is the, you're, you're, you're not going to repent. You're going to just stop doing something. And, and it's about turning to God in this. And it's about unity in the body of Christ. And so we need to repent of our selfish motives when we negatively talk about someone when they're not there. We need to repent of it. God, I repent that I spoke about them because really I was insecure. I confess that and I repent. God, I, 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 I confess and I repent for talking down about them. And, and really I was talking down about them because God, I'm really hurt myself and I bring that hurt to you. God, I repent of that. I confess that right now. God, I am so sorry for what I said. And, and, and because of what I said, I became the problem because I'm not directly involved in the solution. So we got to repent. Now I was talking to our staff about this and they gave me two quick things. I, I love it. You might even want to write this down. Go to the throne before your phone. I mean, that's good. That's really good. Okay, check this one out. Before you post, talk to the Holy Ghost. I love that one. 
Well done. Yeah, well done. So we, we're going to repent and we're going to go to God and we ask the Holy Spirit to give us. We're going to pay attention to that tension when we feel it's there. Second thing is this. We're going to interrupt a conversation. We're going to interrupt a conversation immediately to pray for God to bless the person who is the subject of the gossip. I've done this several times. You want to talk about how to stop a conversation? I've done this several times. I'll hear some, I'll be walking to a room or in the conversation, it'll just go a certain way. I'll go, wait, guys, let's just pray. I'm going to stop right now. I want to interrupt it. I'm not sorry to interrupt. I just want to interrupt it. And I want us to pray. And this is how I pray. Father, God, we thank you for so-and-so. And we just pray right now that you bless that person. And I pray that you, may they prosper as their soul prospers. And we want to be all about their soul prospering today. So God, may the words we speak encourage them and build them up. In your name, Jesus, amen. Oh, so what was it that you were saying? I mean, talk about shutting a conversation down. And it's not because we, I, wanna, I, but I want us to know that we're the body of Christ. This is about unity in the body. And so the third thing I want us to do in this in, 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 is, is, is to employ the wisdom of Matthew 18, 15. I want you to employ the wisdom in Matthew 18, 15 by directing the gossip to go directly to the person. Go directly to the person who's the subject of everything involved. Well, hey, did, did, who, who'd you hear that from? Well, I heard it from someone else. Well, have you talked to the person about this? No? Well, then let's get directly with them. You need to go talk. If you're, if you're talking about it, guess what? You're signing up to be a part of the solution. And if you're not going to be involved in directly helping that person out, we're not going to talk about it. So employ Matthew 18, 15. And Matthew 18, 15 says this, that, that if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you, if they listen to you, you have won them over. Now, this, while this verse applies directly to a sin, and a lot of gossip is not necessarily about someone's sin. It's a lot of times just about opinions and differences and things like that. But if those are tearing people down, don't be a part of the problem. Be a part of the solution. And the solution is going directly to them. And we in the body of Christ, we employ Matthew 18 in these matters. It's a wise way to go because we don't want disunity. We want to be unified in our efforts together. We want to be unified because of Christ's love for us. And in this, see, if they're, if, if, if they're talking, and if it's a serious matter, you know what I'll tell someone? you got 24 to 48 hours. And if you don't set up a meeting with them, I'll set it up for us. I've done this in the past many times. And we'll talk about it because I value the unity. I value the unity, not because it's important to me, because it's important to him. So much that Jesus came to die for it. See, we won't talk negatively about someone. That's our response. We're not going to negatively, negatively talk about someone. What we're going to do is we're going to go directly to the person instead of talking about the person. Why? Because we're for each other. Why are we for each other? Because he was for us. And to talk about it is a commitment to get involved in the solution. And so I now need to get involved in the solution. And I'm gonna come to you to build you up, to encourage you, to help you. And I'm going to use my words not to tear you down when you're behind, when we're not together, but I'm going to use my words when we're not together to build you up. And I want you to trust that. And what would it look like if the body of Christ saw it this way? 
What if we didn't pass by this and say, oh, everybody does it? No, 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 no. We take this seriously. And we use our words, even when people aren't present, to let them know that we are for them. And the reason is, is because Jesus is for us and we want to protect that unity. See, when you talk about another Christ follower, we need to remember that we're talking about the body and the bride of Christ. This is so important. When you tear down another church or someone else that's in the church, you're tearing down Jesus. And, 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 and Paul would write to the Corinthian church that he would talk about, and he'd use the metaphor to, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that we are the body of Christ. We are. No one person is less important than each other. And do our words reflect that importance when that person is not there? That's the most important thing. And so we will we'll be unified as one body because it's so important to him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about how we are the bride of Christ. And he, 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 he said I, to the church in Corinth, he goes, I, go, I want to present you as a virgin to the, the bridegroom, Christ. And it's a great picture that the church is the bride of Christ. You know what? For you that are married, you don't like people talking down about your spouse. Why? Because you're connected to them. You're one. We don't talk about Christ's bride in that way. And just like we don't like talking about people talking about our family and we raise up, man, that same thing needs to rise up in us. And we need to be all about unity. Psalm says this, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. This is the power of God at work within us. And we want to protect it. And we're going to be for each other when we're not with each other. We're going to be for each other when we're not with each other. So we're not going to create discord. We're not going to create disunity. We're going to be champions of unity. And when I'm not directly part of the solution, I commit to not be the problem. I will put a bit in it. I will help stop it because we are for each other, because he is for us. We're gonna sing a song. And during this song, this is what I want you to do. I want you to employ that first bit of this where we repent. And we all need to do this because God's grace has been given to each and every one of us. And it's in that grace that now we need to give other people in the conversations, we need to build them up. So as they sing, will you just reflect and use this moment to turn to your God and do what you need to do right now? People come together, strangers and neighbors, our blood is one children of generations of every nation of kingdom come don't let your heart be troubled hold your head up i don't fear no evil Fix your eyes on this one truth. God is madly in love with you. So take courage, hold on, 
be strong. Remember where our help comes from. Oh, 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 so grateful that our help comes from our Father in heaven who's given every one of us who put our trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit because he's the one that gives us the power that we need to do what Ephesians 4.29 says, to not let any unwholesome talk, whatever it may be, come out of our mouths but what only is helpful to build others up according to their needs so that it may benefit not just them, but all, all who listen. Will you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you so much for loving us. So much that you wanted unity with us to the extent that you sent Jesus to come and die for us. Thank you that we're not just united with you, but we recognize right now that we are united with everyone who is a Christ follower. And not only that, but we repent for not using our words to reflect that unity. We repent for not being unified with each other when they're not present and using our words to tear other people down. We repent for tearing others down to to make ourselves look better. We we repent for not going directly to the people we should go to. We repent for not being directly involved in the solution and feeling permission to talk about them. We repent for not shutting down those conversations that we've even entertained and tolerated. Father, I pray that you give us the courage through your Holy Spirit to do the right thing that honors the body and the bride of Christ. And therefore, we can do the right thing that honors you. Give us the courage to put a bit in it. And we'll be part of the solution. And we commit to not be a problem. In Jesus' name, amen. Our prayer partners, they're going to be available at the tables. They'd love to pray for anyone for any reason. God bless you, Westside. And do not miss next Sunday as we begin the new series, Can I Trust the Bible?